What's up, Cannabis Congregation? Thanks for tuning in for Sunday's edition of Cannabis Legalization News. Today, we're joined by Cannabis Liaison Derek Patrick to discuss social equity, expungement initiatives, and uh, tax revenue allocations. But first, we are going to get into a little bit of cannabis news. Uh, or actually, we might talk about that a little later. But let's just get into it now. How's everybody doing? Hey, doing good, Lauren. How are you? Not too bad. Not too awesome. bad. Sunny day in Chicago. Yeah, I was. I got to finally go to Chicago yesterday. So now I'm back in uh, Peoria in the rural parts. But Derek, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It's a new experience no for me. So I'm glad to be here. You know. Yeah. Hey. What, you, what do you What do you do, man? Yeah. So I'm a former uh, community liaison for uh, one of the largest uh, cannabis operators in the United States. Um, so I'm, I'm very much so uh, in tune with kind of what's going on in, in the space from an internal uh, perspective. Um, I was behind the scenes uh, pretty much representing the community integration team. So I was out, you know, trying to build relations with the community, filling out what the community needs are, their demands, and kind of what they expect out of the industry and trying to be that that bridge, you know, to kind of, you know, move this industry where it needs to go as far as the social equity piece. So is it all right if you tell us what uh, what MSO you were working for? Yeah, sure. I don't think they don't mind too much. Uh, it was Cresco Labs. Uh, so so they're vertically integrated. Uh, we're in about tw 12 states um, right now. So and they just rolled out the Sunnyside locations. If you're in, in Illinois, um, I'm sure you'll be able to find them um, it's, brand new. So it sounds like you liked yeah. working with them. I mean, do you feel like they're making an honest effort in doing what they're doing? Well, well they, they certainly have. Um, somewhat of a vision when it comes to so social equity. Uh, we do, uh, they did have the, the seed incubator program, uh, which is helping, you know, social equity applicants, you know, minorities break into the industry. They're, they're talking about um, um, giving the resources, the technical assistance and writing of the applications and contingent upon getting licensed. They're also in talks about um, financially backing them as well, if wow. need be. So, so I think, I think um, that, that has the potential to be very, very, very helpful, um, and I and I think um, there should be more programs like that out there, for yeah. sure. Um, and then, yeah. and, and that's just, and that's just one, and that's just one um, aspect, you know, that that they have, you know, as part of their seed program. But as part of the community integration team as a whole, there's all, also other work to be done, like getting people out of jail for their cannabis-related convictions. So I, I was part of uh, partnering with organizations doing that that work in the communities. Uh, so it's good good that they're doing that sort of stuff as well as educating the community about the, the potential uh, that cannabis has um, and the potential it can have on our communities. So yeah. Um, How hard is that? Because I try to tell people that cannabis has an, an amazing ability to positively impact a community. And last week I had to be at a court hearing for one community in Illinois that banned it. Mm -hmm. So far, they even banned hemp farming. Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are really upset uh, right now because obviously if, if, if we look at the destruction that the war on drugs has had on the black community and, and minorities um, in general, but black people specifically, um, the people in jail right now is it, crazy. And people are still in jail for it. I mean, the process of getting your your uh, record cleared is still taking longer than um, I believe that's needed. And and people are, know that and people are making millions of dollars in, in the process of it. And uh, yeah. I, I'm, 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 people are upset. I mean, it, ma it makes sense if you if you if you make something 
legal after after it's been legal uh, illegal for so many years and it put people in prison for it, like it, it and and the majority of ownership is white men it's like you know what well, is that all about you know they also get upset about this when we talk about social equity right like people talking mm -hmm. about like when you say black lives matter and they come back with all lives mm -hmm. matter you're like that's not what i'm saying motherfucker like that's not right. what i'm saying but you know yeah. to that point right now on twitter uh trending in the food is uh, mm. uh marijuana facts right it is number uh well for food i think it's number one right for food yeah i don't understand that either i think uh oh i thought the uh the reason why it was trending for food was uh because they had uh one of them where uh scooby snacks are the first um edible no that's that's a fake marijuana fact what and, and then so the, the, the whole black lives matter and the racial speaking though I mean, this whole freaking law is based off uh, like testimony here from anslinger says i wish i could show you what a small marijuana syrup can do to one of our degenerate spanish-speaking residents that's why our problem is degenerate so great. spanish speaking i mean you come over racism <laughs> just you know yeah. it's just like and most of who are low mentally because of social and racial conditions i mean this mofo mm -hmm. you know i mean that's what Number one, fake marijuana fact. <laughs> yeah, but it is trending on Twitter. There's one yeah. about Bob Marley. You can't get yeah. women pregnant while you're under a marijuana's influence. That is a faked marijuana fact. I mean, but uh, it's it's pretty kind of interesting that there's still so much bombardment of uh, actual facts regarding marijuana that are just lies. And, and having those be so pervasive can make a trend like this uh, you know, trend on Twitter. Like the, my favorite fake marijuana fact from the past was that it killed brain cells. And then you look at the actual science behind that and you're like, no, that was, that was literally not even close to what the, the fact said, but. Or that it's not medicine. Right. Or that it's not medicine. Yeah. Or that it's something that we should be arresting people and ruining their lives for and throwing them into prison. So that we now have to like address uh, a mass expungement of records. And that's something that the Illinois law did a lot of the law, I mean, it was 600 pages and like 300 pages of it was amendments. So they had to go in and mm -hmm. fix all these other crimes that were all over the place and create these, you know, minor cannabis offense that you could get automatically expunged. And I think some of the tax revenue is, is going toward those types of programs to pay for the auto expungement. Nice. Mm -hmm. Wait, are, are, yeah. Is any of that tax revenue going to law enforcement? Uh, Derek and I were talking and he was curious about how much is still going to that. And uh, for as far as law enforcement is concerned, I, I believe part of the cannabis tax revenue is going towards, you know, the state police as well. I, I, I'm familiar with the R3 program in Illinois, uh, which, which, which it, it is good. But I think especially with everything, the climate of the U.S. right now, uh, I think we need to revisit and really examine where those funds are going, um, because it should only be going to the, the most impacted communities, negatively impacted communities. Right. Um, and that may that may require um, that may require an amendment. Like so, like again, it's it's a long law. So mm -hmm. if you're trying to find the taxes, you can go toward the end of it, where this the word tax is just all over the place at the end. And there's pages and pages on that law. And this tries to summarize it, but it says first revenue to administer cost and expungement of facilitation costs. So they they're paying to undo what they did, and then after that, mm -hmm. drug treatment fund two percent. Uh, local government distributed fund for crime and DUI prevention, 8%. Perhaps that's the, the police aspect, 
25% to the R3, that's restore, reinvest, renew, 20% to HHS or Department of Health Service Community Services Fund for substance abuse and mental, 10% to fix the budget, and then 35% back to the general fund, which is everybody's favorite place to put money when you're a legislature, into the general fund. The general fund. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that the general fund is where they're trying to leave some gray area. Yeah, That's but 35%. I mean, like, I'm, they're still giving it 35% to the general fund and then 10% to pay off the debt. So, I mean, how much of the, how much do you think a state is going to go for without wetting their beacon to the general fund of this oh, type yeah. of plant being taxed now? You know? I think Washington's already dependent on that, too. That, that, that money coming in, the, the, uh, you know, I, I think it's allocated per the size of the county down here. King County is pretty big. So, you know, they've recently taken away our um, transportation fund has been reduced because they changed the taxes on car tax. And uh, it's only a matter of time. They start, start dipping into that free money out there. That's crazy. Uh, it's not free. It's called the general fund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Derek, what type of things would Cresco have you doing um, uh, in your role as uh, what was it? Was it outreach director or yeah, you could. It, it, it was classified as community liaison, pretty much out, outreach. I was oftentimes pretty much the first point of contact with the organizations that we wanted to work with. So I, I, I'd vet these organizations, figure out um, what their programs are about, uh, reach out to them, um, kind of explain what we have going on and kind of pretty much ask them, is there any way um, that you'd be open to us supporting? Um, because we, we, we appreciate the work that you do. Um, and so I, I, I flew all around. Um, I, I've been to Philadelphia. We did an expungement there um, with um, uh, the uh, justice. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the organization now. Um, Institute for Community Justice. I'm sorry. They, they might hate me for that after this. But, <laughs> um, them um, in, in New York, we were working with uh, the, the Urban League over there, yeah. Robin Hood Foundation. Um, trying to figure out ways that we can even, you know, partner with universities as well, uh, as far as getting some curriculum developed. Um, That's great. So, um, yeah. So then, then I, after I after I gather that information, I take it back to leadership. We talk about, you know, talk about it, and then we kind of make the decision going from there. Like I'm not kidding. We get a lot of calls and viewers from Pennsylvania. They're all about this microgrower license that's been proposed uh, in the SP 350 they have over there. But we're talking about the Illinois law. And then you're also going in other states where you're operating. But uh, that one is thick as to like, here's where the money goes. Like that tax section was dozens of pages long. The current bill in Pennsylvania is only 35 pages, you know, just kind of makes and then when they do these ballot initiatives are they're, they're pretty short on details so i just kind of it makes it like it's not even taking it serious like you know you need this community liaison or this community outreach person that's out there helping to navigate all the obstacles that might come with it and then also getting public support so like how illinois spent pages going over like this money goes here and this money goes here and this money goes here and somebody's going to go out in the community and then build all these bridges and and cannabis is going to literally reinvest into the community it's uh fascinating how illinois put it together and so when other states come by and i'm like look if you guys want to be serious you're gonna have to beef up this 35 pages i mean new york's bill is like only 140 pages i'm like all right well how are you going to spend the money and who's going to benefit because that's the people whose constituency that you can put on put together 
and then they can call their legislatures and then get actually get it passed. So, I mean, I was really impressed with how Illinois has done this, but um, yeah, we're gonna have to see how this social equity plays out, right? Yeah, well, you know, you know, um, the, these operators in the space they make commitments in in, the, in their licenses of applications, and so my, part of my job, you know, was to kind of make sure we're we're, we're upholding those, those commitments because the work it hasn't all the, all the time been completely done. They're, they're right. They're, they're right. They're writing it and they have to be held accountable for what they said they were going to do. Uh, part of that is like things like the incubator program, um, financial assistance, you know, to drug abuse clinics, um, et cetera. All, all, all these things are outlined right there in the applications. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Um, yeah, so. they're all conditions. They're all conditions. Yeah. And so when you get that application yeah. and then they grant you that license, it's mm -hmm. like, OK, well, Looks like you got some work to do there, sport. Yeah. Want to keep yeah, that cannabis yeah. license, Derek? Have yeah, you guys? Okay. I was saying, have what? you guys looked at the expungement for like LA and San Francisco where they did it digitally? You know, where they were able, like, some super nerd knows their system and was able to pull out records. Is there anything you guys look like that? As far as like this, the automatic um, expungement process or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I remember one, one expungement event. Uh, I can't remember. The exact price. I don't know if it was automatic expunge, but I, but I do know uh, that they were at least talking about it, and maybe they are doing automatic. Um, but I know in Illinois there hasn't been automatic. Everything has been paperwork, and you and you had to pay to get your rap sheet. You got to pay to get get the fingerprinting done. Obviously, you got to find some pro bono pro bono lawyers, you know, yeah. to actually go down there and look at each individual case. Um, and it, it's, it's tedious and there is a, a, a financial component to it as well. Um, so I don't know. I think, I, I think there's still, still work needs to be done with making that process a little bit smoother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, that's not my area. Like that's not my wheelhouse. I've mm -hmm. never been a criminal practitioner. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I need to get an expungement. Mm -hmm. It's too bad. You're not a bank. <laughs> I mean, I, I could help you if you were a bank. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't. And then, so like, uh, I try to make referrals out, but I should try to find mm -hmm. somebody and work with somebody so we can like make a system and like a web page because I'm good at making web pages. I need somebody to help me make the um, then you do this step, then you do that step. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. If only I would have been arrested and I needed to get expunged, I'd also be a social equity applicant and I'd have like 10 applications in right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, hey, that's, do you have any applications in, Derek? Are you a, a member of any teams? Well, yeah. You know, it, it, that's a very interesting topic um, because I, I, I was um, actually working on an application myself for a dispensary. You know, I, I, I gathered a, a team of um, people that I thought would, would be good fits and it, it was challenging um, and being part of um, just observing, you know, the, the incubator program and where they're teaching you pretty much the different sections um, and kind of how to um, go about it. Still, I mean, the, the, the total amount of pages, like four, 400 is very, very technical. And you really have to think a lot of things through, uh, not to mention the, the amount of money or capital that, that you have to come up with. And it simply became unrealistic, at least for me, you know, to kind of hit, hit that operation. Um, uh, and and I, I know people in the industry, so there was talk about just trying to get on onto the application um, via, you know, just someone who could be in charge of, you know, the marketing or the community engagement piece. Um, unfortunately, um, I haven't been able to get on um, any any licenses officially. Well, so. were you were you arrested for just the right amount of marijuana or cannabis? No, 
no, you see, no, I, 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 I'm sure no, I, if you had that critical deciding factor, you might have been. Well, well, I, I know my dad surely has, and he's been. Oh, in, then I think that counts. If you can get your dad, so if you get your dad's rap sheet, yeah. you're, you're social equity. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I'll be a social equity applicant that way, and also because I, I reside in Austin, in the Austin community, also, which is one of the disproportionately impacted areas I've lived in all my life. That's one of the um, things that I'm trying to do for the show mm -hmm. uh, this coming fall. Uh, to have some more fun with it and to show off our, our uh, package for uh, helping with applications, do some like kind of mm -hmm. uh, and, and with the man in the White House, some type of reality show where it's mm -hmm. the social equity president. And then we have business people in the Chicagoland area, you know, pitch mm -hmm. us their their concept and be like, all right, we're going to partner with you. And then uh, have you ever seen how Acreage does it? It probably is close to how uh, Cresco's incubator program worked, perhaps. Wow. Uh, did you guys have any management contracts on the line with that, with like little percentage fees and stuff? Well, that, that's another good question um, that I, I would have to let them answer that question because, yeah. as far as as far as I know, it it hasn't been anything. It, the contract hasn't really been written for for for, for that, so it's kind of up in the air. At least the last thing I heard of. So it could mm -hmm. be, it it may, it may not be. Um, I think it's a case by case basis also. So, but they'll have to make the official, uh, you know, answer to that question. Am I wrong to think that Cresco is like an investment firm? Like it's not, it's just a it's corporation. If that right. makes sense. It is a, it's a corporation. It's, you can replace Cresco with target. It's essentially, it's run the same way. Well, maybe targets a bad example, but there's really no vertically integrated. Like if I was going to say picture it as Cargill, well, that's fine. But then Cargill sells a lot of their stuff to like Tyson and then it becomes chicken. I mean, and so like, usually yeah. you're well, not multi-state, right? Is they're multi-state. They, yeah. they're, they're multi-state. I think it's about twelve states too um, right now, and, and I think they're, they're a big operator. expanding. Well, yeah, the reason why I ask, they're pretty they're huge. Because I'd imagine the incubator program is something that, hey, mm -hmm. here's your start, but we're also going to get a percentage of that, and also you're going to wear our T-shirt. I mean, is that how it works? It's similar. It's similar, yeah. but then you have to understand that each corporate entity could be its own thing. So if Cresco is mm -hmm. trying to, you're going to get license capped. So there could probably only be ten sunny sides in Illinois. And and then if they want to get license capped, they're going to have to play by the social equity rules of the game. So they might have to make little sub LLCs out there and be like, all right, here's this LLC and its social equity points come from this person owning 51 percent. And then Cresco holding corporation owes 49 percent. Mm. And they might also have a five percent management fee. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're getting that much. Um, I think I think because at least in the incubator program, how it works was they were suggesting um whoever wanted to get one establish themselves as, as an LLC and they will get the majority um, of the proceeds. And oh. um, I mean, if they, if they, if they get help financially, uh, I think that's, what's kind of confusing. Is it going to be like a grant or a loan type situation? Yeah. Um, and I think that might be where they might get some, some, some um, money for that. I'm not sure though. To be I, mean, I, I mean, to get a start into this billion dollar industry, I mean, it's not asking too much to say, Hey, I want to pay you back. I mean, there's no, no shame in that game. I'm just curious in how that really convertible promissory note, probably. Mm. So convertible promissory note is basically like, you know, if you have that uh, incubator, that's also going to provide some capital. And, you know, I've seen them provide capital. They usually provide it at a very nice interest rate. And by very nice, I mean high. Yeah. Uh, and then you can pay back that debt for your your you know loan that you got into the business with. 
And then after you've paid it off so much, then the person who holds that note is entitled to convert it into a particular amount of stock. Right. That makes sense. And I, and I had a, I had a question um, before, before, you know, the whole social equity thing has been big, but that's only since adult use. Correct. What was social equity uh, before when the medical programs didn't exist? It was no, no such thing. So I'm, I'm curious to know, like, it just seems a little shady that that kind of put people already behind the eight ball. Yeah. So I think we need to take a step, a few steps back. Like, I don't think, you know, the owners right now should feel happy with taking a small percentage. I don't, I, I don't think that's right. I think it should be um, more, more investment or, or, or more opportunity you know, for the people who got into the game, but it's, it's essentially racism, systemic racism uh, right right yeah. now. Well, but I really like, go ahead, Nikki. Well, I was just saying, like we talked uh, last week with the folks from D.C. and how social equity has been an afterthought in all these programs, right? Like medical, first you fight for medical. And then like here in Washington State, it's the Wild West, where medical was just you get a seed, I grow a plant, I find a spot to sell it. And then eventually it started to become a business, right? No boundaries at all. Whereas in Illinois, even with your medical program, there's million dollar boundaries. You know, how many folk do you know have a million dollars? You know, I could. have. I mean, <laughs> but then that's the problem. That's why the Safe Banking Act is so important, because opening a bar or restaurant in certain areas in Chicago is expensive because like real estate and however expensive you want to build it. But opening a liquor store that sells you know food isn't doesn't need to be as expensive. So, you know, depending on how swanky you want to make your place, you can make it realistic that you could open it if you could go to a bank and get a loan. But because there's no safe banking act and it's all in cash, then it's even more difficult to access the industry because now you need to use rich friends to get that capital. You can't use a bank. You know, there's not like an SBA loan for social equity for cannabis, but maybe in 10 years when they get their act together at the federal regulation level, there might be. You know, if uh, the Illinois model is kind of the model with Cory Booker's program, the MORE Act, uh, where you see this this taxation scheme, it, it could be a federal thing in 10 years. But like right now, that's hard. Like, you know, yeah. finding that money. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, and I experienced that firsthand. I mean, I'm, I'm excited because I think, you know, I could have I could have potentially ran a dispensary. Um mm-hmm. And the capital was it was an issue, for sure. Yeah, right now the lowest bearing capital I think place to be would be Oklahoma. Yes, because uh, their laws are just like Washington was. So I mean, you still have a chance if you have a seed, no matter. Because uh, I we did a Seattle Hemp Fest there, or we did Oklahoma Hemp Fest, and we got all smoked out at a Marriott or some shit. And uh, but the locals there, I didn't realize that Tulsa or not not Tulsa. We were in um, shit. I don't remember. It was Oklahoma City, I think. But the, the black community there is huge, like ranchers coming out, uh, you know, and then it was not it was a majority of minorities that are coming out, checking us out and seeing what how they can get involved. But I did see a couple of white guys with suitcases full of money asking, hey, do you know where to get seeds? So, I mean, the barrier is either you got a lot, you got nothing to start yeah. toiling the soil. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting license type that we see sometimes, and it's the micro grower license where it would it would be a very small number of plants, like 150. So essentially, you could really try to set up your neighborhood weed guy shop, which would be nice because then, like 150 plants, 
nobody's going to get rich off a 150 plant farm. They might make a handsome income. They might make a fine living being a traded professional, like a craftsman. It's like, you only got 150 plants. If you're not good at this, you're going to go out of business, you know? Uh, and, and if, but if you can grow that stuff and you can sell it and you command a premium for your product, you might be able to make three to $400,000 a year. That's, that's not going to, that's not like, oh my gosh, money, but it is, that's pretty good money. That's pretty good money, you know, for a fair trade of growing high quality cannabis. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like a, like like a craft, you know. This is your craft. You can make you can make something happen. And I think for small, I feel like for small business purposes, that's that's totally fine. I think there should be more of that. Yeah, yeah. but then with the Illinois model of the craft grow at five thousand square foot, you're not talking about 150 plants. You're talking about not quite ten times that, maybe seven or eight times that. So about a thousand to twelve hundred plants, depending on your configuration that you're running. So that you know, is, is kind of up there in the sense that now you're talking like multi-million dollar construction build out and then staffing and all that. And that, that pushes the price right up. And so like, if your cultivation price point to get into the entry of the business is brought down to like a million bucks, as opposed to five to seven, uh, you're going to get more people able to actually get in the industry. But then of course, like right. if something's easier to get into, it's easier to fail in, you know? I mean, but you should have you should have the opportunity. I mean, just like yeah. with any other other business, it, it, it's going to be risk involved. If you're not doing what you need to be doing, or you're just not good at it, you're going to fail. Okay. Maybe we need that micro grower need amendment. You know, like it could be another license yeah. type. You could have a micro grow yeah. license type uh, eventually, maybe one day. Um, yeah, I, but, I feel like, yeah, I thought I think as long as you're able to get your product tested and 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 it's somehow tracked in the system, I think you should be able to operate. Yeah. I don't think you need to jump through this many hoops, you know, to get a license. Yes. I totally well, agree. then we have to worry about theft because like suddenly if you got, you know, 50 plants hanging on 50 plants, 50 pounds, of high quality product, just kind of like hanging out down the block, you know, uh, you have to worry about somebody trying to steal that. So the security aspect is one of the things that really does put mm -hmm. that price uh, to the barrier up. And you have to make sure that you got that safe, you know, the vault. Mm -hmm. Uh, the DEA approved vault to like, you know, stored on there, like in the retail location, the retail location probably also has drop safes with just buckets of cash filled in there because of that stupid, uh, you know, no banking rule. Man, I mean, the challenge yeah. struggle is real right now in the cannabis industry for a low barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and, and I know T.O. Hardiman uh, was talking about this peddler's uh, license for you know the people who, who just want to sell, sell the weed and um, very very much small scale almost like a, a local drug dealer almost but more right. more legitimate obviously um, but I'm not sure what what happened with that I know he brought this up months ago I believe uh, well that's going to require sure. a uh, yeah I think the state has occupied the field and preempted any municipality from trying to have a peddler's license to be honest but of course Oakland thinks it can ban hemp farming so you never know what a city thinks it can do and um yeah, I, I think that the state has to allow the licensing structure and so a peddler's license like what would that even look like you know and how how are they getting supply and all that so the I don't think the dispensary license, is going to get more difficult to get. I think it's going to get easier to get, but do I think it'll one day be something that you can just get a peddler's license? No way. We don't even have that for liquor. Like, you know, it's not a guy walking down the street, beer here, got some beer. You know, that would be hilarious, but I we don't do that. We still have like liquor stores, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess with liquor. 
but you do have the Lotte cart man who, who who's walking around, you know, selling his his, his you know his goods. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. Let's let's put it out there. I mean, but that's well, one of the cool things about cannabis is like we could talk about like, well, do we want the reg the regulations are five minutes old. We're not married to these regulations. We have to start somewhere. What do we want to see? And we can have these kind of conversations. We can put forth legislation and language. We're like, we want this. You know, that's uh, cool. Like, like Derek was saying, though, if you could just get your stuff tested and, and be involved in the market that way, you know, that'd be the lowest barrier. Any you know. tested and tracked. So you get the yeah. testing and the tracking state gets their money and their purity. And so like there could entirely be some app one day, you know, where it's just mm -hmm. you send the, the, the weed out to it, the testing facility, the COA or whatever is, you know, there. And then somebody on the app could be searching for it and be like, oh, I want to pay, buy this. And they buy it in Bitcoin or dollars by then. Who knows? And then the, the peddler shows up with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, look, look at Postmates. I mean, they're delivering alcohol. They, they eventually should be a conversation. They should be able yeah. to maybe serve cannabis as well. Well, have well, you guys? Let's, uh, let's talk about how that legislation would look. But then you're going to have these these people that are buying their million dollar licenses. They're going to be like, "What? We don't need that. Why?" But look, who, but but look who owns it, though. Look who owns it. Should it be up to them? Who who's making the decisions in all of it? Oh yeah, but that's the thing. Business is the higher you get into it. Um, it's going to be crooked wherever you look, and then you just try to avoid the crooked ones. Mm. It's a whole thing in and of itself. Has, has yeah. Illinois or Chicago uh, reorganized re their laws as far as like liquor goes for restaurants? Like here in Seattle, because of the COVID situation, you know, it's like now uh, a restaurant can have liquor delivered to you. You know, that was not before. We, it, and, we've uh, basically turned the state into New Orleans. Yeah. And so like right now I can be like, hey, uh, bar and restaurant, I would like a hamburger and a Manhattan to go. Okay, I'll be there in 15 minutes, you know, and and then, yeah, you can just pick up your burger and your Manhattan to go. And, and some some places have that. That was a, a new and I was actually talking to one of the lawyers that was involved in that uh, that executive order change because restaurants and bars were hurting so much. Pick up hard drinks or hard liquor. But where right. else would sell cannabis besides the dispensary? Like liquor's being sold by restaurants, right? That might be the peddler option there. But it's I yeah, mean, the liquor yeah. licenses are are very like I looked at my cities, Peoria, Illinois, the metropolis of the Midwest, right? There is liquor license A through double L. You know, and so like it's not like we don't know how to regulate uh, a vice. We clearly know how to regulate a vice. And so that we just have these very restrictive license types right now. Sure. But in 10 years, there might be nine different types of retail license. We don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's, go, what's going on in Illinois or in this country at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, gosh. And the worst thing is Donald Trump even up and ruined Flag Day. Uh, it, uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's his birthday. And it's also Flag Day, and I'm like, ah, what up? No, it's also Obama Day. It's, it's also Obama Day. It is. Everybody's got to oh, tweet a picture to Obama. Trump. What's that? Everybody's got to tweet a picture of Obama to Trump. That's how it's working today. Oh, really? I'm telling you, I love Twitter, dude. I'll be on this bitch. Like the whole fake marijuana news section. Like you're going through all those. It's just all memes and jokes, you know. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, that's why I love. Or it. fake news, fake, fake marijuana facts. Nations of Obama. That's it. Yeah, Scooby Snacks were the first edibles. Hey, hey Derek. So you're not with Kreska yeah. no more. Who who are you with, or what are you doing? 
right 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 now um i'm unemployed right now i'm working towards my uh broker's license right now hmm. um wow. to switch gears huh stock uh or real estate no real estate real ah. estate um you know oh, be a broker um property management some some somewhere along those lines maybe i eventually i can be in a place where i'm selling the real estate that the the cannabis operate operators are buying up you that's know, what you I, need i really want it I really want to get um, my hands on on a cannabis lounge, um, so this is kind of like a, a larger plan for me because I feel like right now it's a lot of hoops to jump through. I'm I'm, I'm gonna just try to get get grounded in something, you know. Is a lounge <laughs> that Cresco might be involved in? Is that something they'd want to expand into? No, nah, I haven't heard anything about the consumption lounges. The only thing I've heard about consumption lounges is the one they approved in, in, in Springfield. Um, I haven't heard any talks about something. I think we're gonna have one in Peoria here pretty soon. Like uh, okay. the the current dispensary is building out this huge building, like uh, a couple blocks away, and I'm like, mm. boy, sure is a lot of space in there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, which would be yeah, awesome. I mean, so like we have a cannabis lounge like adjacent to a dispensary in Peoria in a, like another mm. month. Be like, all right, well. Mm. Uh, Unfortunately, all the marijuana events or the cannabis events that I used to go to in Chicago all the time are now Zoom meetings. But uh, I'm going to go down to the weed shop and uh, smoke <laughs> with some friends. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I don't know. Do you know anything about Chicago, the Chicago market? I mean, the market is probably would love it, wouldn't they? I mean, what's the what's the hold up? The hold up is complexity issues. And so because Chicago is substantially larger than Peoria or Springfield, you have substantially more people who can object or that who want to wet their beak. And so because of that, it makes uh, progress sometimes slower, usually slower, but it can very often go really, really fast if whatever particular alderman in that area in which that it's going to open Everybody's on board. Somebody's getting their beak wet somehow, and they they they're able to open it. Uh, that would that would be what it would, I think it would take in Chicago. I think that's what it takes in like any city. Like you need to have that community participation, that community uh, commitment to whatever you're trying to open and do. Otherwise, they they won't let you do it. But um, yeah, it stinks because that Springfield one I think would probably be open right now if it wasn't for COVID, as they announced it like before COVID, but it wasn't that much before COVID. It was like February or something. So like the build out hadn't even been done yet. Right, right. right. But I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I think that might be another license type. I think there's going to be more uh, testing license types because they I haven't seen that application in the in the rules yet. So those will probably mm -hmm. be coming and so you can get like a lab license. Uh, research license types, I bet will come. And then just uh, delivery seems like it's always tied to your dispensing license. So then dispensaries that are in existence would have the option to deliver for maybe an additional fee or who knows. Right. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the, the thing about the Illinois stuff, though, is 25% to the Criminal Justice Information Projects funds for restore, reinvest, and renew. Now, will those make funds available to help bring down the cost of entry for social equity applicants, you think? Say that again? Uh, so like when, they're, when the Illinois is breaking up their, their money from uh, mm -hmm. the tax revenue, how much of that is right. going to go for these types of grant and loan programs? The most recent tally I heard, of course, they all came from the operators that are currently there, was $31 million mm -hmm. was set forth or set aside in this fund for you know, uh, low interest loans and grants to qualified social equity applicants. Mm. Yeah. So like that's, well, grants money that doesn't have to be paid back. 
Uh, it may just be low interest loans. They do have another application out for those. And then the, the statute mm. does have like, here's what a qualified social equity applicant is. And you mm. can't really be one until after you win. And so after you win, then you're like, oh, you're a social equity applicant who's won this license. Then you can apply. And it's it's a fairly lengthy application process. You're going to need your application essentially again and submit it to uh, the IDPFR or whomever is handling the money at the state of Illinois and try to get some some money for your build out for or for your operations, for your craft or your uh, dispensary. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't even have I don't have a pr- prediction on. What, what that amount is going to be. I'm not even going to try to guess because I, I, I keep getting surprised. It's not, it's not going to be something that I'm going to be happy with most, most more than likely. So yeah. I'm not even going to try to try to predict it. I'll just see what happens. Do you think they could uh, – because, I mean, that barrier is still pretty high no matter what, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it's kind of intimidating when you look at all the zeros. But why, why couldn't there be with that kind of money a program that just embraces a person in and says, okay, you're an applicant qualified to meet all these barriers – we're going to give you a license. We're going to set you up with the space. You know, why can't they just do something like that? Well, they're not going to do it because I, I think it's the, the, these business people, they, they want their money um, and they don't care um, about the history of it, of it at all. The social equity to some people is a joke. They just want people to kind of be happy with what they're giving, you know, people. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's why that's why they wanted this greed. That's that, that. That's it. There's no. There's no other other reason. It could be that simple. If you're there is a lot of greed in that industry. Like just so many people that have uh, eyeballs that look like you know dollar signs. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's all it is. You know, and I, I get it, I get it. Business is, is cutthroat, but it, it's it's larger than just you know business. It, it's. Yeah, and I think, and I think that the reason why they don't do it how you suggested, Miggy, is because then they get overpromised and underdelivered. So, like, if they make them jump through all the hoops first and then they give them access to the capital after they've won, I think that's Mm. their theory on it. It's like, well, we gave them to somebody who was qualified and they're also social equity. So then they were able to uh, apply and obtain $500,000 to help with their dispensary program or their their dispensary build out and startup costs. Mm. So, like, you don't need that loan until after you win that license, you know? It'll give you like an edge, I guess, in the competition. No, you, you want the competition pretty flat. And so then sure. after that, I mean, and so like a lot of the applicants would always mention, you know, as a qualified social equity applicant, we we have this money. And then we also intend to apply for for that state money. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Poor Derek, man. I, I sense your pain because you've been trying to get into that million dollar barrier, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's. It's it's painful. Like we, I think um, our people have been hurting for hundreds of years, and this is just a, a, another reminder that we, we we're still in a country that doesn't really care uh, about their history. They're not going to address it fairly. It's not about. It. They're not going to w- really work towards equity. And I think that's my conclusion until they force their hand. That's it. But and each one's making the move. I mean, the fact that in Illinois that you have to be a social equity applicant just to win. Uh, uh, one of these licenses. Yeah, but 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 you but you need fifty one percent. Yeah, that's all. That's all you need. Who 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 has the rest? Somebody still get 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 getting getting their uh pockets greased with with, with something. Oh, sure. They they're just trying to cover it up. I mean that that that, that people we need it. We needed social equity so that anybody could have got could have got a license. That, that that's that's the whole reason for. It, but it doesn't 
It's not a cover up. We we can see right through it. People are still gonna be getting the money regardless of what they say. However good it sounds, it's look at who's getting paid. Look, look at it, and that that's all you're gonna need to know. You know, so. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Where can we find or follow you if we have any more questions about social equity? Yeah, so um, primarily you can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, You can find me by searching, you know, my name, Derek Patrick. I'm I'm as a cannabis uh, liaison and on Instagram um, at Derek Patrick underscore official. Um, And and that's where you'll find me. That's where you can get in touch. All right. We'll throw those in the description. Before we do go, Damon did get a book. From Tommy said, just wanted to say thanks for the book. It was a great read. If you'd like to get a book, make sure you email Tom or me. First one to email us gets a free book and a little welcome package complete with boba packets and uh, some dupe tube. So make sure you email us. Uh, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Wednesday. All right. Thank you.